Welcome to the SoCal Sports Stories Podcast. My name is Connor Morissette. I'm joined today with Devin Ugland. He is a writer and the founder of HoopsByUgland.com, also the director of the Hoops by Ugland Skills Summit. I know that was a really successful event. Devin, we're going to talk about that. And then lastly, you're a contributor for a bunch of other publications as well. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for being here. Thanks for thanks for coming down and making the hour trip to the Fountain Valley here uh, in my apartment. We're doing this kind of on the on the fly. No problem. I love doing this podcast more than pretty much anything else that I do here in Southern California. So anytime I have a chance to talk to someone, I try to make it happen. So thank you for having me. I want to start, Devin, by discussing your career as a sports writer. Hoops by Ugland hasn't always been your main gig. What led you to start the site? And let's discuss a little bit your career in sports journalism before the site. To start the site, um, I was previously working for the Orange County Register um, for a couple of years, covering the areas of Santa Ana, Tustin, and helping out in Irvine and, and those things, running the weekly newspapers. And, you know, as it has been well documented, um, it kind of went down in flames with overhiring and, you know, kind of um, not having the money to afford paying everybody. So what happened was they offered me a chance to go to the news side and cover Huntington Beach City Council and things of that nature, and this just wasn't in the cards for me. I'm not a news writer. Uh, I'm a sports guy through and through. So um, the next step was go over and start the L.A. Register. Remember that startup? Um, and that lasted about three months before they didn't. They ran out of money, and it, it, it folded, and then um, I was jobless in a market that's tough, uh, especially for sports writers. It's difficult. So I was looking around, seeing what I could do, and I was like, I mean, I cover a lot of basketball. I know the game, um, love the game, most importantly, and I spend a lot of hours in the gym watching watching players. So I might as well start a website, help uh, help promote Southern California basketball, and and then uh, the scouting service soon followed. And, you know, it, it's been tough. It's a grind. It's a grind for sure. We'll get into the scouting service and more about the website as well. Something that really interests me with guys like you and Mike Gardabasio, who have started their own ventures, J.J. Fiddler as well, you know, we see some people who get laid off and really go a little bit of time before getting the next job. But you guys, it seemed like you're such self-starters that right away, you know, I'm kind of tired of looking for jobs. I want to start my own thing. How much fun and how hard has that been it really seems like you know yes it's fun but at the same time it is a grind as you mentioned so just when did this idea for your site become more than just an idea and how would you say it's it's going a few years into it well mike and jj have been watching them have been huge kind of uh, motivation for me in following how how they've gone about what they do um from a you know um um venture standpoint and starting their own thing um, I've tried the nine-to-five gig I got a job in PR where I wore a suit and tie to work every day and that lasted about six months before I was done I couldn't do it it's just I, I can't sit at a desk um, I can't have I really can't have someone telling me what to do all the time um, so one of the big things for me is you know I get the flexibility to kind of um, go around I, I cover football I cover other things and I, I'm able to work for myself which is huge um, on the flip side, it's very difficult from a financial standpoint. Um, you don't know how much money you're making. You don't know what's coming in. And most of the time, at the end of the year, you're spending more money than you're bringing in. You lose money doing what, doing what I do. Um, but as long for me, as long as I'm able to help these kids 
cover local events, cover local high school football, volleyball, whatever it is, um, write a feature story on a kid who wouldn't otherwise get the pub, the publicity. Um, that makes it for me. That, that makes me continue doing what I do. Um, but it's hard, man. It's hard. You, I mean, you don't know how much money you're bringing in. Um, you don't know when your next assignment's going to be. Um, and the scouting service is tough because it's tough to get people to pay it. Even though they say they're going to pay it, it takes, sometimes it takes six months of badgering people to do it. Um, it's a different kind of industry, and you've got to be a different kind of person, self-motivated, willing to get in the trenches and um, you know, maybe not eat one day or something you know, to, to be able to do this. Um, or have a very, very low bank account, uh, struggle to put gas in your car. That's really where you kind of find yourself, though, and see how, how good you can be and how hard you're willing to work. Clearly, you want this, and you're, you're motivated. How long can this last, though, when you know the money is tough, and you mentioned sometimes sacrificing a meal or not being able to put gas in the car? A, does that make you nervous? And B, just kind of how long do you think you can continue to do this? Um, it always... You always have it in the back of your mind, nerves and things like that. Luckily, I have a really good support system from whether it's my parents or my girlfriend or um, Frank Burleson, who's been a mentor to me. Joel Francisco, also been a mentor. Um, Ronnie Flores of Ball is Life, he's been a huge help to me. These guys all help me um, through tough times and things like that. Um, so if I ever need something, they're there to help me out. And sustainability in this, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm I'm trying not to look that, that far ahead um, because it is scary. But uh, all I can do is keep working, you know, keep, keep being in every event, doing all my scouting service reports, sending it out, uh, you know, freelancing for whoever needs some, some help and, you know, just, just working as hard as you can to make it a viable option. If it ever doesn't become a viable option, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I'll figure it out. You mentioned the PR job that you had for six months. Oh, uh, don't remind me. <laughs> a little bit earlier. It was horrible. So I don't want to say that you gave up on sports writing because here you are back. Right. You, you never really gave up on it. But when you took that job, what was going through your mind at the time? I just need a gig? You know, it was more of, it was more of a can I work a regular job? Can I do it? Uh, out of high school, I, got a, I was working at, at Starbucks. Um, and that was cool, you know, I liked it because people interaction and kind of a free-flowing kind of thing. But I was also working full-time at a law firm as a file clerk because I thought maybe my dad's in, in the legal f industry, so maybe I can, you know, get into that. And so I was working that, and I was going to junior college, 12 units. So I had a full, I had a full load of, of stuff there, and um, that kind of burned me out on the 9-to-5 on the job situation. Uh, I realized it wasn't for me. But going back to the PR thing, it was maybe I've grown up. Maybe, you know, this is 9 to 5 is for me. Maybe PR is for me. And I hated it, man. I hated it. It was absolute. I was, that those six months were the absolute worst six months I've ever experienced in my life. Like, I woke up every morning and was like, oh, I got to tie this tie and put this suit jacket on and sit 40 minutes in traffic. And I'm only going 12 miles. Like, why is it taking me 40 minutes to get there? I walk into the thing, get in the elevator, sit at my desk and be like, oh, this is horrible. So that's when I knew that a nine to five is really not for me, kind of sitting at a desk. Like I could do a nine to five if I'm out moving, you know, like, you know, working in the community, things like that. But sitting at a desk behind a computer and just kind of 
watching the time go by and seeing, uh, it's, you know, it's 11.30, okay, time to take my lunch, all right, come back. Oh, it's 2 o'clock, okay, I got three more hours, just constantly watching the clock. It was just, it just wasn't for me. What would your ideal job be? Would it be sports writer, scout, what, it seems like you've mixed those really well. If, you know, if money wasn't an issue, what would be the thing that you want to do most? A combination of both, like what I'm trying to do now. Um, running events is kind of a new thing that I'm doing, as we'll get into yes. later. Um, kind of a new thing that I'm doing that I enjoy. It's, it's tough work um, setting it all up, especially when you're doing it by yourself or help, help from your family and your girlfriend's family and things like that. But, I mean, I'm basically doing everything out of pocket myself. Um, and I really enjoyed the community sports reporting aspect of, of what I did at the register. I really liked that because I was able to tell stories for kids who wouldn't otherwise have their stories told. And, I mean, ideally I'd like to be a full-time community sports reporter and be able to do my basketball scouting service on the side. Um, the problem is with that, there's not many jobs available for community sports reporters. It's just, there's just not that many. And it's tough, especially around here. Like, if I wanted to go to Montana and be a community sports reporter, I could probably find something. But there's no basketball, you know, worthy of watching. I mean, I'm sure there's some worthy of watching in Montana, but the scouting service thing wouldn't be an option. And I don't really want to live in Montana. I like Southern California. <laughs> yeah, so do I. That's something, <laughs> just kind of echoing your thoughts. Last year, I covered the Los Angeles City section, and that was my full job. And... I'm sure you've had same responses from people when you cover stories that wouldn't otherwise be covered. People, it really means a lot to them, and they say thank you. And in the PR job, you don't get that. When you're a student like I was before uh, this this job, no one's really thanking you. It feels good to be thanked sometimes. No doubt, no doubt. And I wrote a story on a kid at Newport Harbor, a uh, football player, last week um, for the Daily Pilot, and he was, a, he was a junior varsity free safety. Both running backs uh, got injured on varsity, the first stringer and the second stringer, and he was called up, and you know he ran for a game-winning touchdown against Santa Monica and a game-tying touchdown against uh, uh, San Marino, and now he's a full-time varsity running back, and it was a great story to tell. The kid was super stoked about it, and it, it was great. Let's get back into your site a little bit. So, in terms of profit, the scouting service is uh, one of the options, which is two hundred dollars annually, and every event you go to, you're guaranteed to give out uh, six scouting reports at least from those events, correct? Correct. And is that the only revenue stream? Are you, are you advertising? Just what's the model like for that site? Yeah, I don't do any advertisement. Because, um, yeah, I was going to say I, I, yeah. I go on your site frequently, and I don't know if it was my ad block or if you just didn't advertise. No, I just, so that's I just a don't have the advertisement. I, I just – And why not? What's it going to do? Like, it's going to get me, you know, 50 bucks a month. Like, so what? I'll, I'll, I'd rather spend time – freelancing or whatever to do that um and i feel like it jumbles up the site like people go there for basketball content and that's what i want to provide um but yeah it's 200 a year which is on the on the cheap end for what i provide um some other scouting services not not going to name names or whatever but some other scouting services are like you know up in the 400s 500s a year some are i've seen 600 and a thousand a year and I never, I don't, I've never seen many other people's scouting services. So maybe they offer something that's worth the six hundred or whatever. But I want to keep mine as affordable as possible, um, just because I, it's just you know they have, there's other they have other responsibilities to take care of with with their money, colleges or whatever. So um, I feel like it's a good price point um, for what I provide. And I mean, last year I 
gave out 14 reports annually. So I went over the six by, by eight. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, that kind of shows the work ethic and, you know, what I'm willing to provide. Um, but the 200 price point, you know, it's, it's, it's worked out pretty well for me. I'm, I'm still breathing, you know, so I'm good. Do you know who the subscribers are? Are they parents? Are they coaches? Is it a little mix of both? Do you kind of know the, the demographics of that group at all, or is it more private? So mine's a straight college coach scouting service. Okay. So I, it's college coaches. I, like, some, I've heard some people like, will have a college placement service for prospects, and parents will pay them to, to have their kids, you know, to place their kids in a college, and that's, that's not, I'm not going to touch that ever. I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. Um, but to each their own, whatever. Uh, mine's strictly college coaches. Um, so I have various subscribers from high major division ones down to, you know, junior colleges. Um, but those are the, that's the, the breakdown of, you know, who subscribes. Has anyone, and this might be kind of a tough question, but have any of those coaches ever told you, hey, this report made me interested in this kid and the rest was history. Have you had any feel-good stories like that with it, or is it more kind of the coaches when they recruit? It's such a big aggregation of so much stuff. Maybe yours is a smaller part of it than just kind of, oh, here I saw the scouting report. This kid, let's get him an offer and bring him in. Maybe it's more than that. Um, you know, not probably not directly yeah. me suggesting a kid because now with social media too, there's so everyone. Many ways to here's the thing: everybody knows everybody. Every, like every there's. Rarely a sleeper these days. There really is rarely a sleeper. Like kids are most of the time on the radar. Um, one of kind of my best identifications, not to really toot my own horn, um, was Chandler Hutchinson at Mission Viejo. Now he was a first round pick with, for the Chicago Bulls was at Boise State. Um, you know, I kind of noticed him as a JV player his sophomore year, and then he was a bench guy his junior year on varsity. It's like a six-man kind of role. And I was like, man, this kid's got some really good feel. He's you know, six five, super long arms, huge hands. Like, this guy's got a chance to be pretty good. Um, so, you know, I kind of helped him. I wrote a couple stories on him, put him in my service, um, and he kind of put him on the radar. He played for my good friend Perry Webster on the club circuit. Didn't play in the shoe circuit, you know, like didn't play EYBL. Wasn't an Adidas guy. Wasn't an Under Armour guy. Uh, he played locally. And Perry Webster was huge in his development. Um, he coaches at Fullerton College, Fullerton Junior College. Great dude. Um, Perry was huge in his development, and Chandler worked hard and, you know, earned the scholarship to Boise State. And then four-year guy, you know, didn't, didn't, you know, play much as a freshman. But then sophomore, junior, and senior just kept getting better and better and better. Really improved on his jump shot, which was the biggest problem in his game. And now he's a, he's a lottery pick. So stories like that, it's great to see. Like, I'm super happy for Chandler. I've known him since he was, you know, 15 years old, and it's really good to see that, that happen. I don't want to steal your business, obviously, but we all watch basketball. As a scout, is it, like, hand size, arm length? What are some defining characteristics? Because, you know, when I go to a high school game, I can say, okay, that kid's really good. But I, I would never feel comfortable unless it's clearly obvious that the kid was going to go to the NBA because of size or whatever. You know, I can't project like that. What do you look for and feel free to answer that however you want you don't have to no, give yeah, away no, too much sure, no. there's nothing to give away it's either you know or you know um and i don't right <laughs> so um some kids are naturally gifted with height length athleticism things like that and a lot of a lot of people focus on those things um 
And while those things can take you to the college level and, you know, can, can get you into the pros, what keeps a guy in the pros, in my opinion, is just straight basketball IQ. Do you know the game? Um, the, the two guys that come to mind as guys who have the ultimate basketball IQ that I've seen live as high school players are LeBron James. I saw him in high, when I was in high school um, at Poly Pavilion when they played um, in the Pango Stream Classic that Dino Stragonis put on, and um, Lonzo Ball. I mean, when Lonzo Ball had the ball in his hands, he knew where everyone was supposed to be. He knew um, what he was doing, and no one else had any idea what was going to happen because he just saw the game better than everybody else. Um, basketball IQ is something that you're kind of born with. Um, some kids kind of force the basketball IQ issue or don't really have the innate feel for the game. But how I separate, you know, uh, really good high school players and guys who can play college and beyond are, you know, do they make the extra pass? Um, um, do they overhandle? Do they throw the advanced pass? Do they dribble too much in the half-court setting? Um, do they know how to move without the ball? Does a point guard pass and, you know, go set a screen for somebody else? Um, what kind of speed do they have? Do they change direction? Um, do they have start and stop ability? Do they have a, you know, catch and shoot three-pointer? Like, a point guard's best friend is a catch-and-shoot three-pointer nowadays because the game is so spread out, you need to be able to spread the floor. And most kids these days are just pound, 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 uh, want to dribble and you know finish and jelly layup or whatever. But um, you know that's a, social, that's a product of social media. Yes, it is. Um, but for me, it's kind of it's do you understand and respect the intricacies of the game and how it's supposed to be played? One last scouting question I have for you, and this is just me not really knowing much about that whole business. Did you need to get any type of certification to become a scout? And yep. So if you did, what is that called, and how did you get it? Yeah, so you, there's a NCAA certification um, through their website, um, and it's just a form you fill out. You have to have a website. Um, you have to be posting content regularly to the website, um, and you, you have to meet the requirements. And um, you just fill out the form every year, so it's a yearly thing just to make sure that you're up to date with your website. And after that, you're good to go. Before we get to your event, I have a few just general basketball questions for you. So what started your love for basketball, and when did you fall in love with it? Yeah, I was, I was born, you know, in a basketball family. My dad played it uh, for Marina High School in, from the ni- 1973 to 1976. Um, he's still one of the all-time assist leaders in school history. Um, I played, you know, from a young age. I played up through high school. Um, obviously I'm 5'10", uh, not a great athlete. Uh, I was a pure, I wanted to score. I wanted to shoot. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a point guard. Uh, I knew the game, but you know, I wasn't a great athlete. And in high school, I really wasn't, I just wasn't motivated to get better. Just, you know, and, and it, it was too bad. I just, I was doing other things, you know, girls, friends, whatever, you know, like I was more interested in that. Um, you know, I had this long hair in high school. My coaches wanted me to cut it. I didn't want to cut it. I was just, it was just not a good look. Um, but again, like, it's just what I know. I was born on it. I watched every Laker game growing up. Um, watched every, I mean, I watched a lot of Clipper games. So I just watched a lot of basketball. So over the years, I've just kind of, um, it's, just, it's just what I do. Just what I know. So you mentioned not really getting serious about the game of basketball in high school. Why have you gotten serious about sports writing in basketball? It's what I love to do. Um, I, I just I just don't picture myself doing anything else. Um, I love the game. 
Um, and looking back, I, I regret not taking it as seriously as I should have. Because um, I was I was pretty good, and then I just started screwing around a little too much. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of a, a moment where you're like, do I picture myself doing anything else? I, I love to write, I love to tell stories, and I love basketball. Why not do everything you can to put those things together and try and figure it out? Let's get to your event now. Yeah. So in early August, you put on the Hoops by Ugland Skills Summit. When did that idea enter your head, and when was that something that you thought, I want to do this? If my girlfriend listens to this, she's going to laugh because it just – one day I was sitting there, and I was you know, working on, on reports or whatever, and I was just like, man, why not, why not do an event? Why not do a good event? So I texted her. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm going to become an event guy. She was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm going to run an event. And she's like, okay. So um, once I got the go-ahead from her, because uh, everything runs through her, um, as it should, uh, and she was on board and she was, you know, willing to help with whatever kind of, uh, um, she's very good with numbers and very good with, um, organization, uh, computer organization, making sure everything's in place. When she was on board, we were, it was a go. And really one of the keys was, um, with, with my event, I didn't want to chase players because a lot of the times players want to be chased and want to be invited and want, want, to uh, want their butts kissed. And that's just not what I do. Um, I wanted guys who wanted to be there and get better um, and work on their game and want to be coached. And that's why I got coaches who have been around the game at various different levels. I got Clint Parks to come down. He's a trainer of multiple guys in the NBA, but he also works with young players and helps guys reach their goals from a young age. Um, Deshaun Bryant, he's a head coach at Fountain Valley High School. Um, he played in college, uh, was a big-time high school guy. Um, A.J. Gaspora, assistant coach at Fountain Valley. He, um, he played at Artesia with James Harden, but A.J. is a grinder. Man, that guy's in the gym constantly working with players for all levels. So that's what I wanted. Um, I wanted guys who played the game at high levels and coached the game at every level. Because when you have that experience, that diversity of experience, it's going to make the product in the teaching aspect of my camp way better. And, I mean, the parents were super stoked about it. How did you get those guys on board? Was it a simple, hey, I'm doing this event, I think you'd be great at it, and they had a great relationship with you, so they were all for it? Right. For, for the most part, um, every guy who was there doing the coaching aspect of it, I had already had a really great relationship with them um, prior to, to me wanting to do the camp, so it was pretty easy. I was like, hey, man, you want to come down? And the best thing about those dudes was um, they didn't care if they got paid or not. Because my profit margin, I had no clue. Because I'm just a dude who's living in a 750-square-foot apartment in Fountain Valley. Um, not a lot of money. Uh, just trying to do something. You know, help kids out. And they were totally cool with that. I had a couple guys who weren't cool with that, and that's fine. I get it. Um, I don't expect you to come out and work for potentially free. Um, but those, those dudes were just no questions asked. No questions asked, and I, I can't thank them enough. So if you don't mind me asking. Yeah. The kids pay to come, Correct. and that's how you pay? Pay for the gym fees, pay for the refs, pay for the uniforms. Um, so did you come out? Insurance. In the red or the in the black? How, how was it? The, the negative. End? Okay. Negative, for sure, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because, um, you know, a lot, all the parents and kids were thrilled with what they got at the camp. A lot of kids got better, got some new skills, um, got some exposure, and a lot of the kids who were there were kids who wouldn't get exposure otherwise. 
kids at smaller high schools, kids at, you know, LA City schools that don't get enough coverage, kids at Orange County schools who, you know, don't get very much coverage. So that's, that's all I cared about, man. It's just people who wanted to get in the gym, get better, and have a chance to get some exposure. Um, one of the things that they liked that I did differently is every single kid who played got a personal evaluation from me. It was a document with the, their camp photo, strengths, weaknesses, what they need to work on. And I sent it out to every kid. That took, I mean, I worked on those things. I had 92 kids. I worked on those things for two weeks after, after the camp. But again, those kids got a chance to, you know, from someone who's seen a lot of basketball, um, and I talked to the coaches too who were there, get some real tangible feedback on what they do well and what they need to get better at, which is what we really need in basketball nowadays. That is incredible, and there's no denying that it was a huge success. So many players tweeted out after, you know, thank you so much. I learned a lot. We had a, a great time. What did it mean to you that the reaction was so great and the, the day was so great? It was everything, everything. Everything went smoothly. Everything was – parents were happy, kids were happy, and that's that's really all I can ask for. Um, the, the basketball community needs more camps and events where, um, I guess um, – the kids are put first, um, and their interests are put at the forefront of um, of the camp and what it's all about. Um, a lot of the times, it's kind of you know kids show up, roll the ball out, and play games or whatever. But in that specific camp, I wanted to bring together the learning aspect, the uh, game aspect, and the exposure aspect, and have all three of those things in conjunction with. Guys who I had some higher level guys like Keith Dinwiddie from Fairfax. He's a, he's going to be a highly recruited guy. He was there. Uh, he played his tail off. He always does. And I had lower level guys that you know like incoming ninth graders who have never been in the camp. But again, like it was great to see all of those different um, aspects of the game come together in one in one event. I don't know how many people out there who will listen to this will end up putting on a basketball event, but say there is someone out there. You went through this from an idea in your head and you made it happen. Looking back at that whole process, is there anything that you would have done differently or anything that was a challenge that you never really expected? I would have done more pre-planning. I would have done more, you know, pre-planning and building up to making a decision to announce it. I just literally, it was like a split-second decision, and I just created the page on my website, uh, you know, created the flyer or whatever. I downloaded photo. I bought the Photoshop thing, and I I learned Photoshop on the fly myself. My girlfriend and I, we sat down and figured out how to make a flyer. Um, I thought it looked pretty good for someone who'd never done it before. But, uh, yeah, just kind of do more more pre-work up to the point of launching it and having all the loose ends tied and not having to go back and fix things and things like that. But um, just the key is just staying organized, um, making sure you're following up with the players who are coming with any changes, things like that. Um, I actually had a gym gym problem that I had to change last minute. Um, the the fountain, I was doing it at Fountain Valley at first, but it didn't work out. Um, some things at the district level were were not happening. So, luckily Beckman over there, uh, Coach John Goins, he's a great dude. He uh, he provided me a gym last minute. I mean, it was a week before, um, so I had to change the gym. But again, that's the gym is the the key part because it's expensive to do that and it's tough you got to you know you got to put your permits to the district all that stuff um so really having a gym on tap is is kind of the most important part of the, the event process 
On October 13th, I saw on Twitter you're going to put on the Beach Jam Showcase. So what are the details with that, and what's that all yeah, about? Yeah, so I'm hoping, you know, this is another last-minute thing. Um, I Obviously, I was waiting for um, a gym, and Vanguard came through last minute. So we're going to try and we're going to try and roll this thing out. It's a it's a class against class kind of thing. Class right? versus class, yeah. So it'll be it'll be um, 2022. So it'll be two teams in 2022 playing against each other. 2021, same kind of thing, up to 2019. Um, trying to gauge some interest for an eighth grade game. Um, I got a couple contacts out that are in the youth basketball area um, that. I hope get some eighth graders. That'd be, it'd be fun for the eighth graders to get get that. But the good thing about this is I'll be able to have Division Two, II, Division Three, uh, NAIA, and JUCO coaches in the building because it's not a, it's not a dead period for them. They can be watching the game. So again, this is a some this is an event that I'm looking for players who are kind of underserved. Um, if a gr- if a good player wants to come and play, great, come on down, love to have you. But again, I, I'd like kids to get opportunities who otherwise don't in the exposure standpoint um, and get maybe a division two you know scholarship division three scholarship nai look junior college opportunity um yeah october 13th bring your kids um classes of 2022 to 2019 that's my that's my pitch and this is all you again just like the the first event this is a devin yep. ugland this is me okay yep all me um um vanguard university um doing me a big favor uh coach justin downer just got hired over there he was at riverside poly as an assistant one of the best dudes in the industry uh big time rising coach he just understands the game he gets it um he was with west coast elites uh 17 under armor team he was an assistant uh really good dude they're helping me out and uh i'm hoping it goes well and if it doesn't then uh we'll probably have to bury that one and you know look to the next one so you mentioned Dinos earlier, yep. and he puts on a million Tons. of these kind of events. Seeing the success that he's had with those, and he's been doing it for so long, was that kind of an inspiration for you to put it on or not really? No, no. Because they're all kind of grassroots basketball yeah. events, correct? Yeah, I mean, Dinos has it cornered. I mean, Dinos yes. is the guy. Um, he's got this showcase exposure thing down. I mean, he's been doing that for how long? Um, again, like going to his events – did it give me kind of a framework of how to operate one? Sure, it did. Um, but he wasn't the inspiration. Like, you know, you either want to do it or you don't. Um, and I do. Uh, I do want to do events, I, but I want mine to be more of the um, lower, like mid-level, lower-level exposure type thing where kids who, like I said earlier, don't get opportunities to get exposure get exposure. Um, Dinos does those as well. Um, but Dinos has been around for ages, and I haven't. So I've got to start from the bottom and obviously hopefully one day work my way up to, you know, being head to head with, with Dinos or working in, conjun- in conjunction with Dinos. But um, Dinos, you know, he, he works hard and he's got his all over the country. And is that something I aspire to? Sure. Yeah. But was was he inspirational in me doing it? No, it was just kind of a split second decision for me. So we have this event coming up in October. You had the one in August. It seems like these are kind of coming out pretty fast right now. What, in terms of the future, can we expect? Is the Ugland Hoop Summit going to be a yearly thing in August? Is this October Beach Jam thing going to hopefully be a yearly thing? How, how many do you want to put on per year? Just kind of update me on the future of these events. Yeah, so the hoop, the, the Skill Summit is going to be a yearly thing, and probably in, in August, unless, you know, I'm going to see how this new – NCAA, oh, yeah. all these new things shake out. I, I want to see how it looks, you know, this spring and summer and then figure out where I can kind of um, make my, where I fit. Um, uh, 
Um, but I need to see the logistics of that. Um, but yeah, the, the skill summit, um, I'm going to be a yearly thing. I want to do a fall showcase like I'm doing now every year. I want to do a spring showcase. Um, so I'm looking at four or five and then potentially, um, having like an all American higher level kind of thing once a year. I'm not sure where, when that would be. I think that's a couple years out, but, um, have like a, like a Pangos all American camp, but more for just kind of this area to start, you know, kind of the San Diego Valley, IE LA and orange County markets, um, maybe into Arizona, Nevada, but more of a West coast type of thing. I'm disappointed to announce that I'm going to be at my cousin's wedding on October 13th. Otherwise, I'd oh, be man. at this most recent event. So cancel it now. Cancel, cancel the wedding. What is it now? <laughs> cancel the wedding. We're not canceling it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, cancel the wedding and I'll, and I'll be there. What's your cousin's name? Can't, hey. <laughs> Nick. Nick. I need your help. Just postpone it. Do it Sunday. But eventually, whatever the, the next one in the can is with you, I, I need to get to some of these. We do. We'd love to have you, man. I've seen Anytime. your reaction. Yeah. And uh, it's been huge. So I don't really like to ask these kind of questions, but I'm going to do it. Basketball season is right around the corner. Who's been the most improved player that you've seen this offseason? Someone who started last year, or finished last year, I should say, and they were at this level, and now they've worked their tail off, and going into this season, we're going to need to have them on our radar. I think from a national standpoint, Evan Mobley's taken the absolute biggest jump from like West Coast you know, known prospect to national number one player in the 2020 class. I mean, he's six feet 11, almost seven feet, and, I mean, he can shoot threes. He, he's a very good post player. He's got great hands, uh, great feel for the game. One of his biggest strengths is his passing out of the post. I mean, okay. it's he draws doubles and he's kicking. He's not trying to force actions through double or triple teams. He's willing to make the extra pass to Jordan Montgomery to hit a three, to Dominic Harris to hit a three, or Luke Turner, you know, sophomore wing to hit a three. But Evan Mobley, it's been great. Another 2020 guy who's now national um, is Zaire Williams from Showman Oaks Notre Dame. Yeah, that's a name that comes to mind. Yep. He's taken a massive jump. Um, I saw him down at the Torrey Pines uh, tournament in December against Cathedral Catholic, um, at Cathedral Catholic, actually. Um, and he was spectacular in that game. And I was like, okay, he's, it's starting to click now. He's always been, you know, a 6'6", real gangly kind of guy, who, you know, knocks down jumpers here and there. But... He turned, like something turned, like the aggress- aggressiveness turned in. He realized how good he, he can be and how good he is and just kind of took over. It kind of just flipped the switch a little bit. And um, he plays for BTI, which is a great, great club program as far as development goes. Um, and they do a great job with, with all of their local guys that they get. One other name that kind of jumped out to me, and we talked about it a little bit before, Devin Askew at Modern Days looked great yeah, this De- offseason. Yeah, Devin Askew, he's, you know, he's, he's, been exposed like he's he's been around the block like i told you earlier um he, he's played in a lot of events he's played a lot of high level basketball um for a kid who's a sophomore yeah so young so young and you know i think what something that might have helped him last year um as far as a basketball iq standpoint is playing behind spencer friedman and being in practice with spencer friedman a guy who understands the game and how the point guard position is supposed to be played because now I see Devin Askew, he's still a very talented scorer, and that's what he is. He's a, you know, he's a scorer. He's a strong, physical guy who gets downhill and finishes around the basket. Three-point shooting is getting better. But there's flashes of, okay, you know, I'm not going to force this layup through two guys. I'm going to jump, stop, and kick to an open shooter. And those are the kind of things that I look for when I'm, when I'm scouting. Going back to that is Devin Askew is a perfect example. Is, is he going from 
a scorer mentality to a guy who can do both. To a guy who knows, okay, I have a lane, I'm going to the basket, I'm finishing this. Or I have an open three-pointer, I'm going to hit it. Um, to a guy who, all right, I'm, I'm driving left and I see two guys coming at me. I see a help side defender slide down. Am I going to jump stop and hit the shooter? That's what I look for. And that's what he's starting to do. It's starting to click. And Great. he's going to be a very, very good player. Yeah, and he still has three years, so I'm right. sure he'll no, have for sure. plenty of time to get that all together. So a few more general questions for you, Devin. So AAU basketball, you know, it helps a lot of kids, of course. Yeah. And then there's the other side where coaches fight and it, yeah. it creates this social media. You see guys doing stuff that would never fly in a high school game, just weird kind of stuff. And they it blows up on social media. I guess maybe like 10% of people are impressed with it, but then 90% of people are like, what, what is going on here? Sure. What's kind of your take on, on the on the culture with that? You brought up some of the, the circuits earlier with like Adidas and Nike and, and, and just AAU. I'm sure it benefits a lot of players. I mean, I know it does, but it seems like there are some negatives as well. There are, but again, you're going to get positive and negative with everything in life. You have to be able to sort through the negatives yourself. Like I don't, I watch games and I see antics and I see, you know, kids doing good things and I see kids doing dumb things. Um, kids are going to do dumb things on and off the court regardless. So it's all about sorting through all of the extracurricular stuff and, you know, kind of being able to identify the guys who are trying to play the game the right way and the coaches who are, you know, taking the time and, you know, um, kind of volunteering their time to help these kids out and finding the, the good among the bads and just not even really worrying about that. Like, do I see a kid, you know, dribble 600 times and cross somebody over and make them fall and everyone's super excited about it and it's on social media, uh, you know, five seconds later and, you know, with a thousand retweets, do I see that and think it's good basketball? No. But again, like most college coaches or scouts or media people or high school coaches or club coaches, they understand that. There's some that don't and that's fine. But um, yeah, just sorting through the good and the bad. I mean, you're going to get that with anything in life. Um, but, you know, it's good to see. I look for kids who are playing the game the right way, and that's what I try and focus on. As a high school basketball and youth basketball writer and scout, how important is it for you to have relationships with AAU coaches? Obviously, high school coaches are, are really important, but do you follow, like, AAU stuff and, and, and club basketball the way you do high school basketball? Is that a necessity for you? Yeah, I think it's different because at the club level, I don't care about wins and losses. I don't care who's winning club basketball games. I really don't. Um, high school basketball is where you can kind of see how a kid plays in a system. Um, there are some club teams that you know run plays, run sets, and run systems and things like that, but they're, most of them don't. It's kind of just up and down and uh, free-flowing kind of basketball. Um, so I look at it two different ways. I look at the high school um aspect of it as okay i can i can kind of dissect this kid's game completely like do they understand half court offense um do they you know look to make other teammate, teammates better does a does a six nine post player you know get on the block and have post moves or whatever because in club a six nine post guy is not really touching the ball very often you know it's kind of rim run type stuff where he's running in transition and gets a layup or what whatnot or dunk um and the the club level i i really look to identify is a kid trying to play the game the right way? Um, because a lot of times they're not playing the game the right way. So you find you know, the, the five or six or seven guys in a club game who are trying to play the right way, and you try and highlight that um, to make others kind of follow suit. Does that make sense? Um, so that, that's really, I, I kind of look at it in two different ways. Um, in club, you can see the athleticism, you can see the speed and all that, and you know, 
the highly ranked players are the highly ranked players. You know, they're going to be highly ranked regardless of whether they play club or not. Um, but I, I like watching – I prefer to watch high school basketball because I think it's more structured. And I like structured basketball. I, I grew up on, you know, old school type of basketball. Um, but club has its, has its, you know, important things too. You, you find out information um, about kids. Uh, you talk to coaches and say, you know, is he, is he a good kid? You know, what kind of kid is he? Good personality, good grades. That's, you know, all that stuff is very important for college coaches is to understand the kid's personality and kind of their background um, because you never know, you know, what you're getting. We talked about this a little bit earlier. LeBron James' son, Bronny, enrolled at Crossroads. He's going to be an eighth grader. What effect in the next few years do you think that's going to have on you and, and people in your situation? Clearly, the video people are going to be all over Crossroads uh, any chance they can get. But do you think, you know, maybe I sure would, I'm sure it would be ideal for you to have him at one of your events and stuff, but would that kind of like blow it up a little bit? Just how do you think that LeBron's arrival and then his son's arrival is going to affect your job and just what happens in the next few years? Yeah, I think I think a lot of Crossroads games are going to be packed to the brim, Yeah, obviously. <laughs> It's, I think it's going to be kind of like a Chino Hills effect with Lonzo, Mello, and Jello. And, and Which is interesting because Sharif O'Neal was just at Crossroads, and he was great, but it's not really the same situation, and that's probably because Shaq is a little bit further removed, obviously, from, from LeBron right. in the NBA. But I would have, have thought, I went to a Crossroads game, and it was on the road, but it, the gym wasn't really that packed, and I, I thought that would see kind of a similar thing, I guess, just because, oh, that's Shaq's son, well, kind of pack it up a little bit and he was really talented but I think this is going to take it to a whole whole new level yeah like like I was saying before uh it's going to be like a Chino Hills effect where the gyms are are, are jammed um I guess it's going to depend on how good Crossroads is as a team they got a lot of nice young pieces uh they got a big 6'10 kid Henry Adiasa he's you know he's got a chance to be very good um but you know Bronny's getting a lot of I've never seen him play in person. Seen all the videos and all the retweets and stuff like that. He's got a huge Twitter following. It's LeBron James' son. So, I mean, the, the best player in the world. The best basketball player in the world. Um, so, I think just from that standpoint, because LeBron is such a, a polarizing figure at the NBA level and across the world, um, that people identify with that. And the younger kids identify with wanting to be what Bronny James is. Um and like you said, Shaq was a little more removed. People, like kids these days, didn't see Shaq yeah, live and how true. absolutely dominant he was as a player. Um, but yeah, I think I think um, I think there are going to be a lot of mixtape men on the sidelines, yeah. as I like to call them. Love my mixtape men. Um, but I think there are going to be a lot of a lot of video cameras following that kid around. Um, but again, he, LeBron James is his father. I'm sure he's grounded. Um, I'm sure he's going to deal with it just fine. We've seen a lot of. Uh video guys at the Sierra Canyon games yeah. the, the last few years and even in the summer there are a lot of guys there and it'll be the case this year for sure so a lot of talented athletes at Sierra Canyon yeah a lot of dunks. dunks yep yep does get a lot of clicks a lot of views people love that stuff yeah no you're you're absolutely right um so Devin you've carved out a, a fantastic little niche for yourself in the high school and youth basketball um area what's Next for you, what are some goals you have as a sports writer, as an events planner, as, you know, you're, you're biting off a lot right now. What are some yeah. things you want to accomplish in the future? Yeah, I just want to, uh, you know, continue to get back into the sports writing aspect of all of this. Um, get, you know, if, if an opportunity presents itself at the community sports level, kind of take that 
opportunity and run with it and keep this keep the sky service and keep the event thing going um because like my roots are in community sports reporting that's where i want to be um this is why i still freelance that's why i'm covering a volleyball game today um it's because it's great to tell those stories for people who are underserved in, in that respect. Um, but as far as the scouting service and events go, I want to continue to create good events um, that draw a wide variety of uh, you know, level of player, talent-wise, from high major college kids to you know kids who are going to play JUCO, kids who aren't going to play after high school or go play in men's league or something. I don't know. Um, just you know, any, anyone who wants to get better, just provide an opportunity for those kids to come in, get exposure, get better at basketball and the game they love. My last question for you. Basketball season is right around the corner, but before we get to the high school season, the official high school season, what events, including your own, are coming up in the next few weeks and months, and how can high school hoops fans uh, check those out? What yeah. are some things that are on the radar? So my thing is October 13th, yes. obviously, at Vanguard University. Um uh, Ryan Silver of West Coast Elite. He has a big uh, fall high school showcase type of thing um, this weekend. I believe it's at the Map in Garden Grove, uh, October fifth to seventh. There's going to be tons of high school teams there. Um, he always he throws some massive events and does a great job with them. Um, so that will be a good one if you want to watch some, you know, see some precursor basketball to the season. Um, and the league that Compton Magic puts on, uh, those guys do a great job putting on uh, their fall league. It's every Sunday at uh, Orange Lutheran, and that'll run up till the uh, the end of, uh, until high school season starts, which is November 12th this year, um, a week up from what it usually yep. is. So the league that Compton Magic does at Orange Lutheran on Sundays, Ryan Silver's deal at uh, the map October 5th to 7th. Uh, I believe Gary Franklin has something, the Cal Supreme uh, operator, he has a, a good fall league that will be at Pasadena High School, I believe. Um, or Maranatha, one of those two, um, and that he hasn't set the date. Yet. He set the dates. It's November fourth and fifth, or fifth and sixth, something like that. But that'll be solid. Um, St. Bernard has a fall league. Yeah. That goes on Saturdays. To check that out, that's that's always a good one. Mitch Runco does a great job at St. Bernard. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Nothing else is popping into my head right now. But uh, those are. I mean, you're going to see hundreds of teams at those things. Yeah, and those are certainly great opportunities. That's such a great part about being in Southern California. There's always a chance to watch high school sports, even when they're out of season, which is something yeah. that I've really appreciated. I, mean, I drove down to San Marcos uh, on sat this past Saturday, and I got to see you know 20 San Diego teams that I'm not going to be able to see very much during the season. And it was a great opportunity to see those guys and you know give them some pub. Um, Charlie Mercado, he's the Game Point um, Game Point Club operator, and Anthony Bolton, who coaches at Vista High School and, and Ryan Smith uh, who coaches at Fallbrook they're all great dudes they put on a great event down there and you know they gave kids an opportunity to be exposed to you know scouts and play against each other and play against guys that they might not otherwise play against uh, during the high school season so that was a great event too that's Devin Ugland, the writer and founder of HoopsByUglin.com. He's also the director of Hoops by Ugland Skills Summit. Devin thank you so much for joining me I appreciate it appreciate it man